Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you for joining me on the Word Podcast. Uh, as I say from time to time, I do encourage you to uh, talk with folks and get them to join us together on this podcast. Uh, podcasting is sort of a new thing for a lot of folks, and they don't know exactly the logistics of it. And it's just part of the problem is there's so many different ways of doing it, right? Perhaps the easiest way is just to show folks how to get an app on their phone, and there's any number of them how to do that. And then you just uh, literally search for the word podcast for my name and you can find it. Uh, you can go to my website and you can listen to it on the computer. You can listen to it on tablets, all sorts of different ways. So anyway, just encourage folks. I appreciate it. We're looking now at First Timothy. And we saw at the beginning of First Timothy how Paul uh, said, uh, hi, Timothy, <laughs> you know, how he greeted him. Uh, but there's really a lot more to it than that, right? We saw that Paul describes himself as an apostle and that he'd been commanded by God our Savior and Christ Jesus, our hope, to go forth with this message. And then he described Timothy as his true child in the faith. And Paul spoke grace, mercy, and peace upon him from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Then Paul immediately, I mean immediately, jumps into it. I mean, he jumps into what the issues are. Verse 3 of chapter 1, he says, that, says this, As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, Remain on at Ephesus. So we see uh, what the logistics are. Paul had uh, departed and had gone to Macedonia. Now, whether he's still there or not, well, we don't know at the moment, but you do know when you look at the whole balance of Scripture. Okay, And Timothy remained at Ephesus. So Timothy's still there. So he left him behind and he said, I urged you when I departed that you remain there. So he's urging him to remain at that place. I wonder why he has to be urged to remain there. <laughs> Maybe there's some things going on that he might think, oh, man, I'm, I'm just going to get out of here. This is crazy. Well, watch this. <clears throat> to remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrine. Now, we're going to look at verses 3 and verses 4 probably today, and that'll be about it. <clears throat> but uh, I want you to see the flow of this. So let me read the whole thing, and then we'll go back and talk a little bit about it. Verse 3 again. As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. Verse 4. Nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by Faith. Now, that's a rather wordy thing, okay? And you have to sort of look at it and say, what's going on? What's happening here? But a lot is revealed here. There were some problems going on with the body of Christ at Ephesus. Can you imagine? Now, this is a marvelous body. Paul writes his own letter to him. He writes a letter, and we call it Ephesians, right? And you do well to read that because it, Ephesians, uh, the whole point of Ephesians is a uh, uh, the conflating of a couple of phrases. How do you walk the walk you talk? Okay. In other words, how do you walk this out? How do we live this out as the organism of the body of Christ? How do we do this? And it's a marvelous book. I mean, it's just so, so useful for how the church is supposed to be operating and functioning. And if we would simply do what is said in that book, oh, oh gosh, so many things would be, uh, the Spirit of the Lord would just break forth. But look what the problem was already. He said, Timothy, you need to instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrine. 
Different translations say different doctrine or other doctrine, but the idea is that a strange, not true doctrine. There were already men that were teaching strange doctrine. Strange in relationship to what? Well, strange in relationship to what the true gospel is, to what the true faith is. They were teaching something different. Folks, it is rampant in the body of Christ today. For the, I, will, I will say this. For the most part, that which passes as teaching and preaching is not the true gospel and not true teaching. It is strange doctrines. And it's strange doctrines of men. They throw the scripture in here and there to support their strange doctrine when they think they can. And then they, generally speaking, ignore the scripture. Even those who proudly, I've had it said to my face, oh, I teach the word of God. I preach the word of God. And I sit there and think, you know, I've heard dozens and dozens of your messages. And you don't even approach the word of God. But they think they do. Okay, They think they do. So he says, you need to instruct these men not to teach it. And then he gives us some insight into what some of these strange doctrines may be. Verse 4, not to pay attention to myths. Okay, something was going on to where they were paying attention to myths, or as King James says, fables, and not to pay attention to endless genealogies. Now, in all likelihood, what was going on here is what you see in Galatians and several other portions of the Scripture of what is referred to as the Judaizers. Okay, the Judaizers. And the Judaizers, that's sort of a very broad-brushed term, okay? But there were people that came out of a Jewish background and they would claim to be of the faith. And I think some of them actually were saved. They actually became saved, believed that Jesus was Messiah. But generally speaking, they believed that you had to be a Jew first before you could be a true believer. And then it got to the point where they believed that you had to be a practicing Jew. You had to be circumcised. Okay, You had to do this. And you had to believe the things of Jewish mysticism Okay, and the, uh, and the genealogies of Judaism. And that's not what the gospel is about. But these folks were teaching some things, and we'll learn more about it as we go through. But he tells them to teach them not to give heed to these myths and these endless genealogies. Then we see this, which give rise to mere speculation. In other words, they're sitting there, well, what about this? And what about that? You know, this could have been this way. This could have been this way. You know, this fable was said over here in this fable. Now, it gets sort of interesting because we do need to know uh, the truth of what was going on at the time when these words were written, okay? I think we need to know what the mindset of uh, a Jewish person was and what was for, is referred to as Second Temple Judaism. You know, how would they have interpreted a particular phrase? A lot of the phrases and uh, a portion of the Scripture that we have a quote-unquote hard time with understanding and they don't make sense, they make perfect sense if you understand how they would have heard that. In other words, what was going on and what they thought and what they believed. And once we see that, you say, oh, that's what that means. And that's the reason that God gives men and women who uh, dig these things out and research these things and know these things and pass them on through the generations. But what was happening here is they're giving rise to speculation. They're speculating about things. They're questioning things, okay? And they're doing that rather than what the rest of the verse says rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. Uh, the New American Standard, that's a little clunky, isn't it? Like, what, administration? When you see the word administration, you think of certain things, school principles, right? <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, the ESV says we should be doing things which promote, spe not promote speculations rather than the stewardship 
from God that is by faith. Well, maybe that helps a little bit. The Lexham says, uh, speculations rather than God's plan that is by faith. The King James says, uh, rather than godly edifying, which is uh, in faith. Now, that is, that's a pretty uh, diverse use of words. God's plan, stewardship, administration, edifying, and they all are translations of uh, the basic Greek word, though the King James has got a little different one. That's where that edifying comes from, okay? But um, not not really. You know, it's within the context that the meaning is derived. So what is the bottom line with this? The bottom line is this. They're giving too much attention to speculations that are coming out because of the genealogies and the myths they're talking about. And these different, the teaching of these different doctrines are sort of tying into that. And they're distracting people from the edifying building up of God's plan. God has got a plan. Ephesians tells us that, that for the foundations of the earth, God laid out a plan for what we're supposed to be doing today, the works we have today, that God's plan is by faith. These other things, these strange doctrines, were not by faith. They were by deed. Okay, folks, we've only begun. We're going to cover a lot of cool stuff in 1 Timothy. So I tell you what, sit down sometime before you go to bed tonight and read these first few verses of 1 Timothy. I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.